so much for watching that uh, short video. And um, I'm sure it must have given you an idea of where we are in the mission. And um, a lot of things have taken place since I've been here before, last time. And uh, before I go ahead, I would like to invite uh, my friend, Andrew Rain, who is a UK administrator, to come and share uh, just a five minutes whatever he has in mind. Okay, just uh, very briefly, uh, my name is Andrew. I'm uh, one of the trustees of Mercy Mission, uh, and for three weeks of the year, I tend to be Charlie's taxi driver while he's over here, taking him all over the place. Um, I know that Charlie's going to share this morning about what has been um, a very interesting uh, year at Mercy Mission. Uh, when he was here last year, we had no idea what was about to happen in terms of a, a, a cyclone hitting that part of India, direct hit. But it has been amazing how God has, has been able to restore the mission. Charlie was telling me on the way over, actually, the international airport, an hour or so down the, um, down the road, has still not been fully repaired, but the Mercy Mission campus has, and it's even better than it was before. So it's amazing how God has been able to work in that way. Um, just a few things to say. Um, over in the corner, we've got uh, quite a few materials that please do come and have a look at. Um, we always have children available for sponsorship, if that's something you think you're able to help with. We have quite a few uh, older children, post-16, who are now at college and university. Um, it's not quite £9,000 a year, but we do have to pay uh, student fees. Uh, so if anybody can help with that, that would be fantastic. I'd just also like to draw your attention to uh, a book that's come out in the last year. It was briefly on the video clip. It's written by a friend of ours, and this is somebody who went over and spent six months with Charlie and Liz. I think her first week there was the week of the cyclone in October. Uh, but she's written a book about the history of Mercy Mission and how Charlie and Liz went back to India, felt called to go back in the late 1990s, and started with a handful of children in very difficult circumstances, uh, build the mission up into what it is today. And it's actually called Mercy Mission True Stories, and it features some of the stories of children whose lives have been transformed by being a part of Mercy Mission, both spiritually and materially. So um, we have a limited number of copies of the actual book. We're, we're asking for £10 each for those, if that's okay. Um, I do have a PDF version as well, so I can email that out to people. Uh, if you'd like that, just leave me your email address. And uh, we also have a contact form, so if you're not already on our newsletter list, which tends to come out about three times a year, please do let me have your email address and I'll make sure you get that in the future. Okay, thanks very much. Thank you, Andrew. Praise the Lord. That's great and it's great to be here today. And I, I don't know where to begin because a lot of things are on my mind. I think I, I'm a, uh, it may be a right for me to share with you more about what happened after the cyclone and it's a faithfulness of God and how God you know, take care of us in the time of crisis. Uh, the cyclone was a one thing that we never expected. According to the history of the area, we never had a cyclone like that. First time it hit in Vijayanagaram and the region where we are. When it hit, it was so horrible. Uh, let me tell you, uh, after the cyclone, right as it was still going on, and there was a wind that blew from morning 4 o'clock till evening 8 o'clock, and about 200 miles. It kept coming, kept coming. Once we thought it's over, but it's been coming. And let me tell you, it blew up everything. And uh, it, mm, it said that there are millions and millions of trees fell down. About 29,000 electrical posts fell down. 
and hundreds of houses, hundreds of thousands of houses lost their roofs. And uh, so to do with the Mercy Mission, uh, during the cyclone, I went to Mercy Mission campus, uh, and uh, towards the end of the cyclone, because I couldn't sit at my home, uh, worried about the children, honestly, and all the children and the staff and the, and the whole community, about, about 200 of them are staying on the campus. So I couldn't sit down and just went to see the campus, to, uh, and I couldn't go on the road because the road was all flooded away, so I had to go through the villages. It's only 500 meters away from the home, but I had to travel about an hour to get there. You can imagine, I had to go to the village, and as I got there, it, it's something that I could not believe. My eyes could not you know, believe it. The reason that the whole campus looked like completely collapsed, and all the trees fell down, the roofs are taken away, and uh, I could not see any building, actually, because of the branches fell on the trees. And I thought, what's happening, Lord? Last 17 years of the hard work, tears, and, uh, you know, uh, sleepless nights and days of work, and it's all seems to have come to an end. Look like everything is gone. And as a human being, definitely, it was a kind of shock for me. Um, but as I was there, I just got into the campus uh, through the trees and debris, and then I found the children are all okay. But it left me with a kind of total confusion. You can imagine, we are all human beings at the end of the day. When you come to that kind of uh, circumstances, when you feel everything is gone, there's nothing left, and where to pick up or how, where to start, it was uh, something very confusing for me. Then all of a sudden, and a word struck me from the word of God, which says in Romans chapter, which I always you know, read and uh, repeat in my sermons. And it says that, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The words came to my ear was that very day, it is not over. Because circumstances at that time told me, look like everything is over. There's nothing left for me to begin or continue with. And I was totally confused. The next Sunday morning, it was on the 12th of October. Sunday morning, I went to the children and, and the staff in the English service, and I began to talk to them. I said, this is what God said. Don't worry. Don't be confused. Don't be uncertain. Because the God is still in control. Without this knowledge, without his, you know, purpose, nothing would happen to us. So whatever happened, he knows it. So it is not over. My dear friend, this is really a, a story of how God brought everything into being, you know, back into the, you know, the, uh, uh, the what we call faith. What happened was that everything, whole area was completely destroyed, not only Mercy Mission. But the newspaper came, particularly took the photo of Mercy Mission to show the world how a Christian organization can be destroyed like this. It's a shame on and the Christ, shame on, shame on the Christian ministry, because we are the only one non-organization in that area, whole area. So it came in the newspaper with the pictures of all what is happening in Mercy Mission. I said, Lord, that should not be, that can't be happening. The Mercy Mission stands for you. It, it stands for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't want that shame. And I prayed and I prayed. All my brothers and sisters worked together about eight of us, because we didn't get any other workers to come and help us, because everybody's looking after their own job. So about eight of us got together and began to work and removing the debris. It took us about uh, one month of hard work. Especially for 15 days, there was no running water, no electricity, and nothing there. And all of a sudden, we didn't know what to do. The water was very cursed, 
and, and what happened was even a bottle of water was sold for 10 to 20 times more than the normal price. And diesel was not available. Diesel banks were all closed. The road was blocked. There was nothing left. All what good thing was that right before the cyclone, just two days before, I bought enough stuff for the whole month. It means the rice and uh, usually we buy in the all those things are at home, but we have plenty of wood so we could cook. But that was a very difficult for the water and electricity. Been praying and praying, and then I phoned to some people, managed to phone to people and found, and God blessed with us a gener generator. And I've been praying for this generator for many years, but nobody noticed. But all of a sudden, when the cyclone struck, there's no electricity at my home. That means the flood my home was flooded by, and the morning till evening, we were just taking the water out of the house. And all the windows were broken, and there was no electricity. We had three torches. We only use it when we need it. That's what we had for 15 days. No candles, no kerosene, nothing's available. It was pitch dark. And anyway, what happened was that once we were praying, the and the, uh, Mr. Andrew phoned me and said, okay, Charlie, we got some money. If you don't mind, we can have that generator. Let me tell you, we praised God. We got the generator because generator, we used to, Higher from the people, it cost us about 45 times more than the normal price. We could not afford it. So we got the generator. After many years of prayer, it took a cyclone to come to give us a generator. But thank God for that. Sometimes God takes us through the hard time in order to bless us. That is one of the proof. Then again, we looked at how to restore the cameras. And we, you know, many people came to know about it. Our good friends from uh, this church and other churches in all over the United Kingdom, New Zealand, American, different part of the world who are part of the ministry, they began to bless us in different ways. Let me tell you, today the Mercy Mission is completely restored still when the, the work, while the work of the government, you know, restoration is still going on. Many of the work is not completed. Many villages are still in need of help. But by the grace of God, Mercy Mission campus has restored before any other campus. It's a beautiful, not only it is restored, let me tell you, it's a beautiful campus now far better than before. Without any debt, that's the main thing. We haven't borrowed anything by the grace of God. Everything is provided for. All what I'm trying to say today is, my message is very simple. If you can say to yourself and say to your friend today, it is not over. That's more than enough. My dear friends, there comes the times in our lives, situations in our lives, circumstances in our lives, that will make us to feel that it is all over. There's nothing to look forward. Our life has come to a standstill. Where to go, whom to approach, what to do about it, you may not know. But that is the way time when you think everything is over, when the doctors think everything is over, when your circum financial circumstances look like everything is over, your business is collapsed, relationship is over, the future is bleak, and it looks like so much of confusion all around. That's when God will come and tell you it's not over. I think that's a great message for me. God taught me through the sacrament effect and, and, and experiences that God is in it. Especially God is in the storm. When you go through the fiery experiences of life, that's when you feel more of God. That's when God teaches you what is the faith life is all about. Normal times we take it easy. We come, as the brother was saying today, we just take it as a kind of ordinary, mechanical, day-to-day -day Christian life. We keep going. Okay, cozy, comfortable life. But let me tell you, there are times God will allow you and me to go through the storms. 
But sometimes the storm can be very severe like what we had. Total confusion will come. And we will never know what to do about it. But don't forget, even though we don't know, he knows. Without his knowledge, nothing would happen. All what I'm trying to say, before you entered into that trouble, entered into that trial, that suffering, that sickness, let me tell you, God already had seen a way out from that situation. Praise the Lord. That's why God told me one thing. God said to me that very days, those days while I was praying, God said to me, don't look at the problem, look at the promise. I mean, that thing, that's all we need to be doing today. Don't look at the problem, but look at the promise. If the God is the one who has promised that he would take us through all the thick and thin of our life, definitely he will do so. We have the promises. God says in the book of Isaiah, when you go through the water, when you go through the fire, when you go through the struggle, when you go through the trials of life, he will never abandon you, but rather he will be with you. You are not going to be alone. This Christian life is not a lonely life. This is a life alone with Jesus Christ, the victor, the winner. You are not victim. You are a victor. Praise the Lord. Never forget, you are a victor in the name of Jesus. Of course, we had a struggle to understand, especially when you come to that kind of situation. Very difficult to, why this is happening to me? Why this is to our church? Why this is to my family? Why? We have so many questions. Let me tell you, there is a great story of, the, uh, uh, the, of a child I heard. You know, this young boy was bullied at the school. There was a big boy in the school. He was so much bullied, and one day he was so frustrated. He didn't like even to go to the school. But on his birthday, the father decided to buy him a kind of, you know, a kind of vernacular. And he bought him this uh, the thing, and uh, usually, you know, when you see it, uh, you are so happy to see uh, things, because you can magnify the things, you can see it. You use the vernacular to see the things. But one day, father was noticing. His son is not using it. He's using it on the other way, not on the magnifying side. You know what I mean? He's in the opposite direction. He came and asked son, son, you are doing a very mistake. It's not. It is meant to look through this small hole so you can see everything bigger and nearer than what it is. That's the idea of it. He said, son, father, I'm doing it purposely. Are you mad? No, I'm not mad. When I go to school next time, I'm going to use this side to look at that bully boy. You understand? The problem with all of us is that we focus on the issues. As, as long as you focus on the issue, what happened? The issue becomes bigger and actual size. Actually, it is simple, most probably. But if as long as you keep it near to your eyes, you look this one far bigger than us, it, uh, what, it is, what it really is. And if you have an extra small example, I tell you, if you have a little coin, Stand in the midday sun. And keep that coin. Look at the sun. If the, sun, the coin is far away from you, you know that a little coin is a trillions of times smaller than a sun, more than the sun. Yet if you keep that coin nearer and nearer to your eyes, close to one of the eyes, and you can see, you can even hide the sun. Wow. What a great thing. You know, if you let the problem just right before your eyes. Instead of focusing on the promise that God has given to you and me, what happened, the problem becomes so bigger, so bigger that we cannot even understand what to do with it. He can overcome, it can, he can conquer us, and we become defeated and dejected at the end of the day. There was a man in the Old Testament, as we know, 
in the book of King, chapter 19. That's what I would like to take an example from there. And uh, this man was uh, one of the tallest prophets of Old Testament, a tallest man, a well-known prophet of the Old Testament. Everyone got fear when they hear the name of Elijah. Nobody would stand there to stand before him. Such a great prophet, whatever he said, it happened. Whatever he said, that's where God did. But what happened, we see in chapter 19, the Elijah's life is completely turned around, and he is looking, he looked like as a, a defeated guy before the Lord. The same man who stood on the Carmel uh, defeated the enemies of God, and the 450 prophets of the bad. And the same man who said, and it came to pass, three and a half years, there won't be any rain. It was so. The same person, a man who stood before the Lord, did everything miraculously, wonderfully. And all of a sudden, in chapter 19, verse 4, he said, Elijah was afraid. The fear was something far away from Elijah so far. But all of a sudden, in chapter 19, we see Elijah was afraid. A frightened man, a confused man here. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Can you imagine? Such a tall, such a great, courageous man of God. Once he used to shine for the Lord, and all of a sudden, just because of the words of a, a woman, who that she would take him off and kill him off. That created a fear in him. Where does that fear come? Because Elijah took his focus away from God. We began to focus on the problem. So far this man stood before thousands of enemies with such a courage and called upon the name of the Lord and brought a great miracle on the Mount Carmel. But the same person now, the fearfully frightened, running for his life. What we see here, there is a man. When he came to the Beersheba in the and I say the Judah, the Bible says that he left his servant there while he himself went a days of journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree and down under it and prayed that he might die. There are a few things happening here. Elijah, the courageous God, the boldness he got. Here we hear a confused, totally confused man in his desperation, in depression, in uncertainty, not knowing what to do. He's now sitting down under the tree and saying, this is all over. It's over. My life is over. My ministry is over. My future is gone. I have nothing more to live for. Take my life. How many of us have said that good? May most of us have said at least once in our lifetime. You may not so far, maybe one day. Circumstances may come on your way. You may have to say the same thing because we are all human beings at the end of the day. What happened to this man? He is now desperately in need to escape from this woman. How? And if you read, there are a few things happen. First of all, we see when Elijah was introduced to us in chapter 17 and if chapter 18. And up until we come to this chapter, he was a man who was led by the Holy Spirit. And Elijah himself said that he is the one who stood in the counsel of the Lord, one who spent time in the presence of God. He was led by the Lord. Whatever he said, he said, I speak. I spoke what God says to me. God had given him words Elijah spoke. Everything Elijah did and spoke was according to the will of God. 
all of a sudden when he heard this bad news about him being killed by this woman, she got, he got frightened. In other words, he took the, his, the confidence, he lost his confidence. He took his eyes away from the promise of God and looked at the problem and totally confused. My dear friends, it happens. When you lean on your own understanding. So far he was led by the Holy Spirit, led by the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord came in, word of the Lord came to him. Now where is the word of the Lord? Not there. He is not even willing to wake up on the Lord to listen to the voice of the Lord. The Bible says he ran for his life. In other words, he was running away from God. How far you run away from God? When the problems come, issues come in your life, relationship problems, a physical problem, emotional issues, financial problems, then crisis will come along your way. What do you do? You run away from the Lord. Elijah did that mistake, even though he was a great man. He made a big mistake. That was a, one of the main mistakes of Elijah. He ran away from the counsel of the Lord. He began to lean on his own understanding. He began to focus on the problem, not on the promise of God. So what happened? He came. Bible says the whole day he walked away from the Lord. Running away. Whole day of walk. I came to the desert. And he's saying, the words of desperation. What is he said? He said, let me die. When people decide to die, what do you mean by it? What do we mean by that? means they have come to the end of their tether. They came to a cold desert and said, there's no way forward. Every door is closed against me. Every roads are closed against me. I'm locked in, in this situation. I have no escape. All what I have, see, is my end. Everything is over. This was my situation then. But let me tell you, Elijah was saying too. Maybe you are in the same situation today. Elijah said, it is over. But the fascinating thing is that because of tiredness, because of weakness, because of the running away and the business of the life, physically he was drained. Emotionally, he was confused. And uh, spiritually, he was definitely at the low ebb. In that very situation, the Bible says Elijah slept. He was slept. But let me tell you, the good news is that even though Elijah made a run away from the Lord, he can see a gracious, loving God running towards him. Praise the Lord. Sometimes we think in this kind of situation, I need to go back to the church. I need to go for the counseling. I need to be involved in a revival meeting. I need to have a fasting prayer in order to get back. No, 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 you don't need to. The Bible says there's nothing wrong with that. There's no need to all the time. The Bible says God who knows your situation. God who has a plan and purpose in through your life. He will never abandon you, never leave you. And he will never forsake you. He has come where Elijah were. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you, you may think there is no one knows my situation. There is no one in this wilderness. No one sees me. No one thinks about me. This is the end of my story. But God says, Elijah, this is not the end of your story. I'm still working on you. Even though you don't know I'm working, still working on you. Working for you, Elijah. Praise the Lord. And God came where Elijah were. And the Bible says the angels of the Lord came and fed him twice. Because God said, Elijah, you thought it is over, but it's not over. It's just the beginning of a great ministry. Let me tell you, maybe today some of us are thinking it's all over. There's nothing more to life. 
this is the end of me. Some of you may be even feeling that, okay, I have reached. I have come to that place. This is my life is all about. I will continue like this all my lifetime. But God says, no, 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 no. You are going to move into another level of life. Another level of my experience. You have not yet reached, but still going on. Life and faith life is a journey. It is not just a destination. We are still moving on. Elijah knew that day. Because God began to speak to him. And what makes me interesting here, then Elijah, after having the meal, how many days and nights he had to walk? Run? 40 nights and 40 days with that bread and food God gave. Let me tell you, if God gives you the strength, you will go to the distance that you have never been before. If God is the one who is in your situation, you will make the impossible possible in your life. Things that are impossible for the world and maybe for you, but God says it will happen. Bible says 40 days and 40 nights he ran and came to the Horeb. When the Horeb, what happened? He was hiding himself in a, in, in a cave. Elijah thought he was hiding. How do we know that Elijah was hiding? He thought he did not want to take up the responsibility anymore. He thought himself everything is over. It's over. It's my life is over. My ministry is over. But God had a different purpose. The Bible says even there at the cave, God came down. Praise the Lord. How far do you run? Keep running and see. You trust the Lord, you will see he will be there. That's what the psalmist said, that even go, though you go to the underneath, uh, under the depth of the sea, my spirit will be there. Even in the darkness, in the closed rooms, in the empty places, in the wilderness, wherever you run away, Bible says, if God has a purpose for you, if you are the one whom God loves you, you love God. Let me tell you, he will never abandon you. He will come where you are. Praise the Lord. My dear friends, you are not abandoned. You are not lonely. You don't have to lead, lead a lonely life. You don't have to run away from the Lord, for God is coming to you. Even if nobody there, even if no one promises you, his promises always yes, and it is yes, and he has come down here in this place today to meet up with you. Whatever circumstances, whatever situations you may be in, whatever the confusion that you, have, you are in today, Whatever maybe the thinking that you have today, maybe you think that you are completely lost and this is end. Let me tell you, God is saying, this is not the end. This is going to be the beginning of another level of blessing. Now, let's read the verse 10. It says, I like this word. It said, and the word of the Lord came to him. Word of the Lord did not come there. He did not wait. But word of the Lord came him to him where? While he was hiding in the cave. Hello, I don't know how many of you are hiding. <laughs> I don't know how many of us are hiding. We are trying to put up somewhere God's, God is going to go. Word of the Lord came to him there in the cave. What was the word? It's so challenging words. God spoke to him. I like this word. Here, he's asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Do you like that question? Suppose God has come to you today to that situation where you are running away from the Lord and abandon your worship, abandon your friends and fellowship. I'm thinking that my life is anyway gone. I'm completely abandoned by God. God doesn't care about me. And God would come to that place and ask you, what are you doing here? I rather would take this word in this way. Suppose you are a dad or a mom and go to the city and you see your son or daughter in the wrong place. 
replies that you don't expect them. What question you will ask? What are you doing here, son? The same question is asked by God. In other words, God is saying, Elijah, I did not feed you. I did not encourage I did not anoint you for this. You are not in the place where you're supposed to be. When you are in the wrong place, when you are not doing the will of the Lord, when you got into the, the wrong field of life, God will say, what are you doing here? It was not only a caution, but also it was a rebuke of God. The Lord is saying, Elijah, think you are not where you're supposed to be. Maybe that's what God is telling us today. Where are you in your Christian walk? Where are you in your Christian life? When are, where are you in your prayer life? Are you really where God wants you to be? Not only once this question is repeated again in verse 14, 13. God repeated it again. When anything repeated in the scripture twice, you know that when Jesus said, truly, truly I say unto you, which means it is really emphasis. It's very, very important. Maybe that's the question God is asking us today. Where are you in your Christian walk and life? Are you where God wants you to be? Or are you in the wrong place? But God did not abandon him. On verse 15, my dear friends, this is the answer. It's not over. How do we know that? In verse 15, God says, he said, I have been very zealous. And God 15 says, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. I like that word. The way you came. In other words, Elijah took a wrong step, a wrong route. Came to the wrong place. God said, Elijah, for you to, me to fulfill my purpose in you, to take you to the destiny that I have ordained for you, all what you need, you need to go back all the way. My dear friends, maybe God is speaking to us today. God is asking us to come back to the basics. Go back where you took the wrong step. You can't continue. If you keep going, you're going to be in the wrong place. God says you need to come back and find. I like that verse in the book of Jeremiah chapter 5. Again, let me repeat to you. There it says, God speaking to Israelites. God is saying, the people of God, you made a big mistake. You are in the wrong places. Wrong ways of life. God says that you come back to the crossroad. Why do the crossroad? The crossroad is the road where you make mistake. Instead of going to the left, you went to the right. Instead of right, you went to the left. Or to the forward or backward. I don't know where you are today. But God knows exactly where you are. And God has come to find you where you are. Only to instruct you, go back to where you made a mistake. Because I have not done away with you. I am just beginning to another level of ministry. Elijah. You thought it is over, but let me tell you, you have a ministry of anointing. You have a ministry of appointing the prophets and the kings. You have a further ministry. You have a bright future. Don't let your circumstances, don't let others tell you that your ministry is over. Your life is over. Don't let your circumstances dictate you and tell you your future is gone. This is all what you are. But God says, I'm going to bless you in a way that you are never blessed before. You are going to be in places that you will never be in before. You are going to meet up with people that you have never met before. You are going to have a divine connection that you never had before. I'm going to take you a step at a time, one notch at a time forward. And you will reach your destiny. Because I am the Lord who has called you and set you apart for this ministry. Praise the Lord. Let's close our eyes. My time is up. I need to be on time. But let me tell you, 
never, never let whatever circumstances you are today to dictate you about your future. Don't let anyone, neither your colleagues or your family or friends or anyone to take control of your future, talking unnecessary negative words in your mind, taking your focus away from the living God and his promises, making you into utter confusion and uncertainty. But God himself says that he has come down here in this very church right now, right in front of you. God is speaking to you and speaking to me. God say, I have not given up on you. Don't give up. Don't run away. Don't look down. Don't look here and there. They trust in me. Focus on my promises. You are going to reach your destiny because I have a plan. I have a purpose for you. You will reach because I'm with you. May God bless you. Trust in the Lord. Continue to believe what God says. That's why the Bible says in Romans, now we know that God works for the good of those who love him. Those who have been called according to his purpose. If you are that one called according to the purpose of God, don't look down. Trust in the Lord. He's going to take you to that level of blessing that he has already intended and deserved for you to be in. Never give up. Keep moving. Keep believing. Keep holding on the promises. But come back to the basis. I don't know where you left. I don't know why you took the wrong step. Is it your physical life? Is it your emotional life? Is it a financial life? I don't know. Relationship? I don't know. Somewhere we made a mistake. God said, that needs to be corrected. Without correcting, without coming back to the basis, come, coming back to the crossroad, you have no escape. So God says, today is the day of coming back. Today is the day of restoration. Today is the day where God is going to re-encourage you, re-empower God is going to re-empower you with the Holy Spirit. Wisdom, the grace, and the mercy of God is abundantly available for each and every one of us. Let's stand up and close our eyes. Say to yourself, it's not over. Hold the hands of your brothers beside you and say, look into their eyes. Come on, please hold your hands and say, brother, it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. Because my Jesus is with me. And he will take me through. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Master in heaven, we just thank you and praise you for such a wonderful place. A wonderful friends of ours. Wonderful fellowship. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the miraculous ways of your leading in our lives, Father. Even the one whole world say that it is impossible, Father. We know it is possible because you have promised so. Help us to focus on the promise and never on the problem, Father. We know that you have already found a way out before we entered into the problem. But today, Lord, I pray. Maybe my brothers and sisters, you have someone need your touch, someone need your instruction. Someone may need, Father, your grace and your mercy. I pray that I come to them, Lord. Merciful to us, Father, today. In the name of Jesus, I pray that your deliverance may come upon our life today. And everyone be completely free. And believing in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. At the same time, believing the discipline of the Word of God. To come back to the basics of the Word of God. In obedience and commitment. Almighty oh, God, I pray. Have mercy upon this church. Bless everyone of the leadership team. Bless everyone of the members of the body of Christ.
Let no one go from here without being touched by your hand, Father. May the grace of God, may the love of God be lavished upon them right now. In the name of Jesus, we believe it is not our. Hallelujah. Oh, mighty God, I come with this before you. Continue to shower your blessing upon every one of us. We need your touch. We need you to, Father, mold and shape us for your glorious ministry ahead of us. Father, we know that we are not bound to be within the four walls of this building. We are meant to be out there for the millions who need you, Lord. Thank you, Master. Open our eyes. Oh, Lord, I pray. Have mercy upon each and every one of us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you. God bless you.